This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. everyone and welcome back to jumping bomb audio the world's number one joshi podcast i am taylor and i am joined as always by my wonderful co-host kelly kelly welcome back for another great show we got a lot to talk about this week oh thank you 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 ever think you're going to record a podcast and then you think you're not going to record a podcast and then you think you are going to record a podcast and here you are recording a podcast that's what we're going through i have to say that uh We've been doing this for two years, and we've run into, in that time, almost no issues um, in terms of recording. I know I listen to a lot of other podcasts. You can listen to some of the other podcasts on the wonderful Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. And I know that I've heard horror stories throughout the years of a podcast going wrong, and strangely enough, that has never happened to us, And but... You know, you might think, oh, that's a good thing. That's good news. In my <laughs> mind, I continually am thinking one of these weeks, it's going to happen and it's going to be really, really terrible because we've had no issues. So when we have an issue, it has to make up for two years of no issues. Yeah, no, it's got to be an entire show gets dumped and then we re-record the show and that one gets dumped too. Yeah, I have fully expected almost every week as we've recorded that one of these weeks we're going to hit finish and it's going to be like nothing was recorded nothing happened (laughs) and frankly if that happens i really enjoy doing this podcast but we're not going back and re-recording uh no because the idea of doing you know two hours of recording and then hitting stop and then doing two hours of recording and having to say the same exact things you just said yeah, it's one thing way. to redo a bit. Like if you're like, oh, I had something interrupted us and like, okay, we'll start this over and do it again. We'll edit it in post. But like to redo an entire show just sounds like a nightmare. Yes. Well, hopefully that will never come to pass. Let's everyone keep our fingers crossed. And here we are. We are recording uh, the podcast now. So hopefully you are hearing this. Uh, and we'll jump right in because as I said, we've got a lot to cover so as always, please follow us on Twitter at Audio. We did some tweeting this week. Um, I randomly, while I was at work, received a notification we had gotten a like and realized that Kelly had congratulated Tsukasa Fujimoto on her wedding. That's uh, right. I did do that. <laughs> yes, which got a like. And I was like, we tweeted? And then I realized that you had tweeted that. And I made a, a very limited amount of tweets uh, about the big Tosio tokyo joshi sumo hall show which we'll talk about in a second Uh, so follow us there the more people we have following us the more uh likely we are we'll put it on the on the listeners 
follow yeah, you us, guys. so more likely we tweet. It's your fault we're yeah. not tweeting so much. You In my defense, I'm just playing video games all the time now. I'm barely watching yeah. wrestling. I, I didn't even watch any of the shows we're going to talk about. I'm just making it up on the fly. Oh, wow. Getting behind the curtain. Someone's wow, going to think scare. this is real, and they're going to get so <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> we have one scare that we might not record, and Kelly is pulling the entire curtain down <laughs> on the podcast. I've never watched wrestling in my life. Kelly doesn't even know. I send Kelly a bunch of notes at the beginning of the show, and I say, Kelly, you should say this. Uh, <laughs> it's why Kelly often agrees with me, because yep. he's just agreeing with my own opinion. Uh, I'm just a know. puppet. It's great. It's uh, it's really great for me to really double up on my own opinions. Yeah, I mean, uh, really, I kind of like. I think I might like the idea of all these time limit draws, but you know, I don't watch the show, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, people say you can't do a solo podcast. Well, I'm showing you can <laughs> by hiring someone else to give your opinion for you. <laughs> but. If you want to see more of my thoughts, you can go to Kelly's Twitter <laughs> at Comic Geek Kelly, or you can just follow me, get it direct from the source at Tay Mambo. Please subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice. And if that podcast app of choice happens to be Apple Podcasts, please give us a five star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio so lots to talk about this week we are going to review the big probably the biggest tokyo joshi show oh, from yeah. sumo hall grand princess 2-2 we are going to talk a little bit about some stardom news the new blood show the cinderella tournament announced we also have the big stardom previews for their two big sumo hall shows coming up as well as some other things and everything in between so we will kick it off first with tokyo joshi's grand princess 2-2 from ryogoku sumo hall on march 19th 2022 in front of 1714 fans not a great number um in my mind. But before we dive into the individual matches, Kelly, what did you think of the show overall? I loved it. I thought it was great. I really I really enjoyed just how DDT and Tokyo Joshi puts together big shows. Like they just they feel big and they're long, but it never feels like a slog to me. Like I just I love them. And this was fit right in with those with one of these. Like it's neck and neck cuz I'm as we uh, record this, I haven't finished DDT Judgment yet, but it's like just it has the same feeling where it's like these are two big back to back shows and I love it. Like I, I was really, really happy with this show. Uh, what about you? I really it's funny because I thought it was an amazing show. I really enjoyed it. And but I also thought it really wasn't all that uh, much in terms of in ring wise. Um, as we'll talk about when we dive into the matches, but I still thought it was an amazing match. It has that feeling that, especially in the last two years of COVID things, that so few shows really have. You know, we've had these sort of big stardom shows, but the stardom shows at this point, sort of their quote unquote big shows that they run every month, 
you know, sort of excluding the Budokan show from last year, but sort of the monthly, you know, 1000 people, big shows to me often don't feel like big shows. You know, the entrances are the same, you know, there's not a lot of extraneous stuff there except for, you know, here's matches and they could be very good here. It really felt like a celebration. You know, it felt like a big deal show for everyone. You could tell that everyone was really excited. You know, we'll talk about this as we go through the matches, but a ton of big entrances, interesting entrances, new gear, you know, special guests, things like that. It really felt like a big show in a way that really the last show that felt this way to me was the Gaia show that they did, which is another show that I really loved, which just felt like a big deal. Like I like when these promotions put behind, you know, these shows sort of the oomph of being like, we really care about this. We want to make this a big deal. And we feel that it's really important to show the audience that like, this is a big show and it's really important. Yeah, they really focused on, like, the extravagance and pageantry of wrestling. Like, I mean, the matches were good, too, but, like, the big focus felt on, felt to be presentation to me. So the opening match was a tag team match, the debut of the newest Tokyo Joshi rookie, Juria Nagano, teaming with Moka Miyamoto in a losing effort, losing to the regular tag team of Arisa Endo and Suzume in nine minutes and 44 seconds. I am going to go first here because I, this is one of the things I tweeted about. I am all in on Nagano. I yep. thought that she looked, <laughs> she looked really good. She had that great combination, which I retweeted um, in gift form of like the two back elbows, the strikes, and then the kick, the sort of like delayed, um, leg kick which uh Nagisa Nozaki cool. does sometimes but I thought that this version looked better sort of in the ring so I thought she looked great I'm all in on uh Nagano can't wait to see what happens with her and another really strong exciting rookie for Tokyo Joshi yeah uh she feels to me like non-problematic Loki just the way she kind of stalks around the ring like him and just the intensity. It's awesome. No one else on the Tokyo Joshi roster really has that kind of intensity outside of uh, Yamashita. Like she just, she feels legit. It's awesome. I'm super in on her. Like just buy all the stock right now. And I feel like she elevated Mocha too. Cause it kind of brought out, mocha's more karate influence as well rather than just like i'm just gonna try and be a wrestler with some karate stuff she was still doing that but it was like okay it was more pronounced now because like juria is just straight up i'm a karate person i'm gonna kick you in the head and chop you and look fucking awesome so i i was really in on this match i these tag teams are perfect together like that's it, let's go. It's I was super excited about this match. I went I went three stars on it. Like that it's honestly if it, you're going for like a debut, five stars. Like she did perfect. Like fantastic opener. Yeah, the the one thing that was sort of like, oh yeah, she is a rookie is there was a couple times when 
she sort of was got stuck sort of waiting clearly like waiting around for the next thing to happen which i'm like look it's her first match that's uh you know totally fine that was sort of the one thing that i was like oh yeah she is you know she's a rookie i did really like the show you know a lot of uh, celebration of sort of the past and the present of Tokyo Joshi, um, old uh, sort of retired wrestlers coming back and things like that. I liked that they had this kicking it off, sort of showing the future. And I think Nagano fits in well with all of the other, uh, you know, Endo, uh, Yuki Arai, Kaya Torabami. I mean, I think that's a really strong class and a really... Uh, a, a good way to sort of show in a way when we talk about the changes in Tokyo Joshi, this is really it. Another person who comes in and has one of these sort of like really great blow away debuts. I mean, I remember there was a couple of years when Tokyo Joshi rookies were debuting like every month and all of them were sort of like, yeah, this person is fine. Uh, you know, they're a rookie. We'll see what happens. And now it seems like every rookie that comes in is like, this person's so good. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't believe it. Uh, so yeah. Imagine what this promotion is going to be in like three years. Yes. Um, although we'll talk about, we'll talk about that as we move up the card. Cause, uh, you know, I have some questions as to what this promotion will look like going forward, (laughs) uh, which we'll cover more as we get higher up on the card uh the finish to this match uh suzume hit the hit the um what is it called ring a bell is that what the move is called ring the bell which looked sort of strange it looked like they had a miscommunication right at the end um but overall a, a strong match certainly a strong opening match uh for this big show so the next match was an eight person tag team match it was tokyo joshi versus gambare pro where the gambare pro team coming out victorious harukaze moika haruhi yuna manase dressed up in her onita tribute outfit and yuri defeating haruna neko kaya torbami mahiro kiryu and now kakuda in 12 minutes and 20 seconds kelly what did you think of this match i liked it a lot i thought everyone worked really hard uh i came most i came away most impressed by uh, kiryu because we've talked in the past how she has like good nights and bad nights and she looked really good and i like the new gear and like even in loss she came out of this looking really good i thought uh the gunbari team was cool i i honestly haven't outside of yuna manasa i really haven't seen most of them because I always mean to watch Gunbare, but then like five months go by and I just go, eh, I can clear this show out of my backlog. I'm not going to get to it. <laughs> but like, I, I, I enjoyed this match. I went three and a quarter stars. I thought it was really good. And the Onita costume was rad. I was, I was uh, happy with that. That was fun. I have seen bits and pieces, you know, not a ton of all of the um, Gunbare pro team. I thought that they, I thought it was a good team and I thought that they were good here. Uh, surprisingly, you know, Kiryu debuting new gear, which I thought, and new hair, which I thought looked a lot better. Um, I think it's overall stronger gear, but I sort of ended the match thinking, yeah, I think I'm officially out 
on the Kiryu oh, no. uh, train. <laughs> so uh, here's a disagreement uh, that we have. I, I don't, there's just, just something about her where I'm like, yeah, this is not putting it together. And I just feel like maybe that this is someone who's going to end up sticking in that uh, sort of low card spot. I'm sort of interested in Torabami, who, you know, came in with a lot of hype, took some time off, is now back, and I don't really get a read on, you know, didn't take the pin fall in this match, uh, which feels important. It was uh, Kiryu taking the pinfall. But I just don't know. It feels like she's been passed by... You know, Endo, obviously Arai is at or near the top. And now you got Nagano coming in with an impressive debut. And I'm just not really sure sort of where Torabami fits in here. Torabami uh, kind of feels like to me like um, uh, Sayaka and uh, Gato Move slash Choco Pro, where I, I don't think wrestling is her entire main focus. Like my I my guess is when she took the time off, it was probably something school related. So I wouldn't be surprised if she's like wrestling is kind of just a side thing while she's like a full time student or whatever. And who knows? Maybe like Sayaka will see her kind of just make wrestling the higher priority, and then she'll really step up and become something. But for right now, that's my guess. I mean, obviously, I don't know for sure. I'm just guessing here, but. That would make sense, especially with the needing time off thing that she did for what was it like a month or two, I think, something like that. Yeah, it was a little bit. Yeah, it just feels to me like sort of she debuted with that sort of like, oh, wow, look, she does this sort of springboard move. Uh, that's cool. And it just sort of feels like, oh, she still just sort of does that springboard move uh, still. Yeah, she so, started off good and hasn't progressed, really. Yeah, but still a rookie so there is time and you know she is being compared to probably the most prolific uh Tokyo Joshi I mean definitely the most prolific Tokyo Joshi rookie class that they've really ever had yeah uh so we'll see um the next match the first I would I, I would probably say the first of the big matches on this yeah, show but but, a, but before we get to the match we got to talk about this nightmare ring announcer Oh yes, the original, uh, the original ring announcer. It was funny because uh, the ring announcer came out, and I think at that point live because I did watch. I didn't watch the whole show live, but I watched the first, uh, actually three matches, three matches plus of the show live. And the ring announcer came to the ring at the exact time when Excalibur, uh, from AEW on Twitter, decided to plug the show. <laughs> So anyone, anyone who randomly said, oh, Excalibur is plugging this, would have logged in to this ring announcer. This awful uh, nightmare. Speaking in the ring. See, I didn't think it was so bad. I think that that's sort of fine. It's like, oh, that's cute. Much better than the Momo masks, I'll say, which are my nightmare. That's fair. Um, but yeah, like I was just, I wasn't prepared for this because apparently like, I, I didn't watch early tokyo joshi so i've never seen this ring announcer before but oof it was real upsetting i i don't i don't like the live action anime faces they're just they look wrong i don't want to see that face in a physical form keep it 2d uh don't keep don't put that in my wrestling anymore it's upsetting 
Yes, I also didn't uh, or haven't seen sort of uh, uh, original Tokyo Joshi. There was a time back uh, about two years ago when uh, Aaron and I were doing, when there were really no shows happening because of COVID and we started doing the uh, stardom uh, retro reviews where we did debate for a time covering some of those original uh Tokyo Joshi shows, which we didn't end up doing, but those are on, uh, or they were on the last version of Wrestle Universe. Uh, those sort of very small shows on mats, uh, very sort of Chuckle Pro, Gato Move style shows. Um, so yeah, some of these, some of the people coming out, uh, I was unfamiliar with, um, but that's okay. It was all, you know, fun. I was not as affected by the ring announcer as Kelly was. Yeah, the other people I didn't recognize didn't frighten me, so I, I was all right with them. In my notes say in all caps, "Yo, what the fuck is this nightmare ring announcer?" Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> well, speaking of sights to behold, in the Falls <laughs> Count Anywhere match, Hyper Masao defeated Sanchiro Takagi dressed. As Hyper Masao. That was incredible seeing him come out. (laughs) 12 minutes and one second. Yeah, when Takagi came out dressed as Masao, that was... uh, I could not believe it. Like, I hadn't even considered that as a possibility. No, not a chance. And not even dressed as Masao, painted like (laughs) Masao. Yes, and the mask, not wearing a mask, but instead painting a mask on, uh, painting the gear on. Not for nothing, the wig was good. The wig was good, and I did note, watching it live, that the minute he took the wig off, he lost the match. Yeah. Uh, So maybe the wig had powers. I mean, the (laughs) highlights of this match, uh, Brooks and Aki were stressing on commentary that Takagi had already stated that he was willing to pay fines in order to break the rules of Sumo Hall. uh, Which I wasn't exactly clear on which rules he was breaking. (laughs) Um, as they were going around the ring, Hyper Masao did leap off the, uh, I don't know what you want to call that, the entrance way, but it wasn't the entryway for this show. It's sort of the entryway that, um, like New Japan uses sometimes those sort of side, um, whatever entrances, doors, I don't know what you call them. Uh, that was a highlight. Obviously, the Tower of Chairs, maybe the biggest Tower of Chairs that's ever been assembled in a wrestling ring, uh, which was then crashed into by Hyper Masao on the uh, Hero. What's the name of her bike? The Hero bike? I know Takagi's yeah. is the dramatic dream cycle. Yeah, it's the, he- uh, is the Hero bike or Hero cycle, something like that. They had the bike versus bike showdown on the ramp yes. uh, at one point, which went was very brief when they just drove the bikes into each other and then fell over. Um, right before that, I noticed there was a bit where Suzume was at ringside and saw that uh, Misao left her helmet at ringside and she grabbed the helmet and like sprinted backstage with it. <laughs> Apparently she didn't get it to her soon enough, though, because she went out helmetless. Uh, then also, uh, Takagi using the fire extinguisher while he yelled hero beam (laughs) over and over again, which I really loved. 
but really to me, this was a classic, uh, big sort of DDT cyber agent, whatever you want to call it, sort of big show, quote unquote, hardcore, anything goes match. Yeah. I mean, big nonsense me, had, fight. Yeah. A lot of nonsense, a lot of big spots, uh, things like that had sort of an abrupt ending for me. Although, as I said, Takagi took the wig off and almost immediately lost. So maybe the power <laughs> was in the wig. Um, and the abrupt ending is going to become a uh, running theme for me. Uh, but a great match. One of my favorites of the night. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I went three and a half. It's not a match for everyone. But if you like this style of DDT nonsense, you're going to have a good time with it. It's really exactly when you sort of hear, oh, it's a DDT big show nonsense match. It's exactly what you think it's going to be. So if that sounds exciting to you, I would say watch it. And if it sounds terrible to you, I would say don't watch it. (laughs) Yeah, if you think it sounds terrible, you're going to think it's terrible. (laughs) It's not going to change your mind. Yeah. The next match, another singles match. This one, Friends... uh, Friends explode as Asuka defeated Yuki Kamafuku in 9 minutes and 38 seconds. Asuka came out with a dance, but we have to talk about Yuki's uh, we have to talk about Yuki's entrance. <laughs> what a came bizarre in, entrance. <laughs> came into I believe the parking lot of Sumo Hall on a motorcycle. Uh sort of unzipped her pants then took out a cigarette and was going to smoke it and then saw a sign on the wall that said no smoking (laughs) put the cigarette away another person drove up and gave her a bottle of alcohol which she drank and then went to the ring yeah and it wasn't like she drank a ton of it she just took a tiny sip (laughs) and then went to the ring Oh, and also all of this was in the corner. There was a big red uh, indicator that said live. Yeah. (laughs) Which made me think, okay, this is definitely not live. Yeah. I was wondering if she was going to get the full Goldberg entrance where they follow her through the whole place. Uh, But two great entrances. Uh, This I thought was a fun match. Lots of kicks. Uh, but another match, I thought, like, just had an abrupt ending. It was pretty short, like only nine and a half minutes. I thought that they were maybe going to go a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, in general, this was, you know, I it was, I believe, five hours or, you know, give or take, because there's some intro stuff, some outro stuff. Intermission. I thought, it, I thought it was, like, a pretty fast show. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it didn't feel like five hours at all to me. Like in some of these matches in the middle, I'm like, these probably could have gotten a few more minutes um, and would have probably moved up, you know, in terms of my rating. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a solid match. It just sort of ended and I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Yeah, no, I thought it had a pretty abrupt ending too. This was really like the ultimate mean girl match. Like just here, the two at the lunch table... They're finally going at it. Uh, some of Asuka's offense looked really brutal here. Like, so that was cool. Uh, I like this match a lot. I went uh, three and a quarter on it. Uh, Asuka's new gear is really cool. I like that a lot. 
Yeah, and the match started with them like complimenting or, you know, yeah, that touching was each other's hair. And then all of a sudden they started slapping each other. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it felt like someone said the wrong thing at the lunch table. Well, the next match was another singles match. This more than friends explode. This is sisters explode as the two members of the Bakaretsu sisters, Yuki Aino and Nadoka Tenma battled with Aino coming out on top in nine minutes and 24 seconds. I believe that this is the first instance that I can remember of two competitors in a singles match coming out at the same time. Yeah, I've never seen that before either. Uh, They were played out by the band Angela, uh, featuring a guitar player that I believe looked sort of like the long lost brother of Taichi. Yeah, I could uh, see that. A little bit. Uh, But a great... Entrance, I mean, the lead singer sounded great. I thought it was a cool entrance. It was sort of interesting to see both of them come out at the same time. Uh, as for the match, it was interesting. I talked about, you know, uh, Jury and Nagano sort of representing the future of Tokyo Joshi. And it felt in a way in this match, as I was watching the match, sort of like Tenma, you know, retiring next week, um, I believe is her retirement show. Um, she feels sort of in a way like the past, but not sort of in the way that's like, oh, here's old wrestlers that we really love. Sort of in the way that she never really, to me, grew all that much in ring. I think I would say that Aino is the far uh, superior sort of in-ring worker. And she feels sort of from that time of Tokyo Joshi where it was very character-based, very heavily over the in-ring style uh and that sort of feeling seems to be disappearing i mean even sort of the lowest i would say the people sort of on the lowest rung booking wise you know palm harajuku uh someone like raku i think are more much more solid in ring than you know someone like tenma so it felt sort of like a oh here's the past and tenma is leaving and that's this is sort of a farewell as the roster continues to sort of shift and change and i'm interested to see once we sort of get past this retirement the marika kobashi retirement which have seemed to taken up for me a lot of the airspace between this show and the two retirements taken up a lot of airspace i'm interested to see what these cards look like once all of this has sort of cleared out yeah no and this uh I felt this match had an even more abrupt finish. Like, it kind of just ended. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh okay, uh, on to the next thing. Uh, but the match was good. It was decent. Uh, the entrance was the main selling point of the match to me. The entrance was super cool. I really liked the uh, the song and stuff. Uh, I went three stars on it. It was fine. But nothing to write home about, you know. The next match, a big eight-person tag team match. The team of Marika Kobashi, Palm Harajuku, Raku, and the visiting back again, Ram Kaichou, taking on Neo Bishikigun of Martha, Meisan Michelle, Saki-sama, and Yukio San Laurent, joined during their entrance by, I believe, every single member 
of Neo Bashiki Goon and I believe the original Bashiki Goon. Uh, the original version of this group in an entrance that I think to me personally was my favorite entrance of the entire night. Yeah. Entrance of the year right here. It was incredible that I think they put the entire thing up on YouTube. So people can see it. It's fantastic. I also tweeted out. I took a, I actually stopped the show while I was watching to take a screenshot of they had Saki-sama in the chair. They spun the chair around and everyone sort of posed. And I was like, this is very cool. I mean, even like Masao coming out, which is totally logical. But to me, I hadn't even thought of that happening. It was so cool. Like came out. I was like, wow, that's cool. Yoshiko-sama coming out. It just was uh, really awesome. I was like, this is great. A great sort of nod to the past. Without really, I mean, once they were done, they sort of went to the past. It didn't really overwhelm the match. So it wasn't like, you know, oh, they're still here. What are they doing here? So I thought it was great. I thought the match was super fun, um, high paced. I always forget just, I think because I don't see him that often anymore, is that Yukio San Laurent's offense is mainly consistent of pulling sharp, medical supplies out of his jacket and attempting to stab people with them. It sure is. Uh, which in this match included scalpels and needles. Yeah. Uh, syringes. I really um, want Yukio St. Laurent to do a tour of DDT. Like, I think it would, it would be nice to see him get some more reps in. I, I really, I really like him and he's super cool. So let's see more of him. Yes, and I also thought on the other side, I thought there was a lot of great Ram Kaichao stuff. I thought they nailed yeah. the Ram Maker uh, yes. with the zoom out. I was like, wow, they nailed You know, because sometimes when people do that sort of tribute Rainmaker stuff, the camera does not <laughs> cooperate. Um, so I thought they nailed that. I thought Ram looked great. I thought the whole match was great. And then at the end, Marika Kobashi sort of taking the rose from Saki-sama not destroying it, so interested to see if that leads to something. Although in an, in the next you know month or so, don't know what would happen there. It makes we'll me see. wonder: is she really not retiring? And is she going to come back in a new incarnation? As uh, Marika Sama, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Could be. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, I thought that this match was super. Was a ton of fun. Uh, with so many people high pace, so uh, big recommend. I mean, even if just to watch the entrance, it's <laughs> worth it to me. Yeah, no, this isn't like a work rate match of the year match, but I went three and three quarters on it. I thought it was so much fun. The next match, a big singles match, Hikaru Shida returning to in-ring action in Japan for the first time in, I believe they said two years. Defeating Hakari Noah in eight minutes and thirty-three seconds. Another match that I thought had a very abrupt ending with yeah. Hikaru Shida winning with the Falcon Arrow, something that to almost comical effect she never wins with. Yeah, I'm well no nobody kicks AEW. out of the Falcon Arrow. I mean we we know this. But uh Aki providing the uh Excalibur backup saying she's done the deal. <laughs> on commentary which i appreciated 
this match I thought was fine. I was sort of very excited for this match, and I thought that they went out and sort of just delivered a match that was mostly fine. I thought it was on track to be good, to be great. And it just, it ended way sooner than I think it should have. Like, I thought the Falcon Arrow was going to lead into the finishing sequence. So I was like, okay, here we go. And then it was like, no, it's over. And I was just, you know, I just was like, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, The big moment leaving was Aja Kong was on commentary for this match and Hikaru Shida acknowledging her, sort of pointing her out as she left. So possibly something there, building something there, I know, as we'll talk about in a little bit, Aja Kong returning very soon to in-ring action after her surgery. Uh, So maybe Tokyo Joshi, maybe DDT, maybe AEW looking to... uh, run back the match of the year contender from a couple years ago of Sheeta versus Aja Kong. And it will be interesting. To, I mean, I'm very interested to see now that she's had the surgery, had some time off to see if Aja maybe gets a little bit of mobility back in the ring. Cause that would be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was my favorite part of the match. I mean, it wasn't even in the match. It was just at the end, but that was super cool. I really hope they do something with it. The next match was the first of three straight title matches to finish the show. The International Princess title match, the champion Maki Ito successfully defending her title, defeating Yuki Arai in 16 minutes and 18 seconds. Kelly, what did you think of this match? I really enjoyed it. Uh, Super dominant performance from Maki Ito. And it felt like to me kind of like the Mizuki match. This was a victory for Ito over her past. Like she was just say like she was beating her eye to prove like, hey, I didn't need to be a successful idol. I've got this and I'm better than you at it. So I I thought that was great. Uh Arai still looks great, continued to impress here in what is definitely the biggest match of her career yet. Uh, this is definitely not the last time we'll see these two clash. I think they'll have a lot of matches over the years. But uh, this was really good. I went four stars on it. Well, I was a bit lower than you. I went three and a half. I thought it was a pretty solid, good match. I think the biggest thing to me is that, you know, Yuki Arai, I don't know what's going to happen after this, but in a title match very soon into her career, I think on commentary they said that this was her 30th Um, match ever so still pretty early on it's still it feels to me like she sort of needs to find uh offensive identity in terms of what she does in the ring she sort of has the axe kick which seems to come out from time to time but sort of in between the use of the axe axe kick uh it just they're there isn't really a strong, like, who is this wrestler to me, which is not uncommon for a rookie who, as I said, now has 30 matches. Um, but as someone sort of being thrust up the card pretty high um, and, you know, used to sell what is the biggest show in this company's history, it just feels like it's not quite there as to, like, who is this person in the ring? 
Yeah, and I think the the booking of the match was perfect for that because it was like, okay, she's super popular. There's a lot of people that are behind her, so she gets up to this point on the card, but technically she's not there yet. So she pretty much she got dominated by Ito, and it's like, okay, this makes sense. This is actually exactly how this match should have gone, you know. Yeah, and as we talked about in the preview, it will be interesting to see where Ito goes from here. Um, I know that uh, Thunder Rosa winning the AEW women's title, and I tweeted out, you know, who should be my first, who should I make my first defense against? I saw a number of people talking about Maki Ito um, on the DDT show. uh, Christopher Daniels did send in a video to say that AEW and DDT have reached an agreement that DDT talent will be going to AEW. Uh, after the show, Takagi clarified that that does include uh, Tokyo Joshi wrestlers. So I'm assuming we will start seeing Tokyo Joshi. You know, we have seen them in the past in AEW, but I'm assuming we'll see them more often now, mm-hmm. especially as sort of the... Uh, it becomes easier to travel. You know, the rumors are in the next few months that Japan may do away with the any quarantine coming into the country, which would make travel uh, between Japan and the United States a lot easier. But the big question, of course, is Maki Ito, international princess champion. You know, if she were to go into a title match with Thunder Rosa, does Tokyo Joshi want her losing uh, as champion? That was really the one thing that I thought, oh, maybe they have a rye win. Ito goes to the States and then she's sort of free to, you know, she could win, I guess, but win or lose any sort of matches in AEW. But we'll see. Um, I know that Miyu Yamashita is heading over in May, I believe, uh, having some matches on the West Coast. So I'm assuming at that point we will see her in AEW or I hope my fingers are crossed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if I'm AEW, but, I'm bringing in Yamashita. I'm, if you keep her around for a bit, honestly, book her like she's Asuka in NXT. Just have her KOing people and then do a title match. Yeah, so we will see, but we'll see what happens with this Ito uh, title reign moving forward. The semi-main event of the show was for the Princess Tag Team titles, the champions, the Magical Sugar Rabbits of Mizuki and Yuka Sakazaki retaining their titles, defeating the team of Miyu Watanabe and Rika Tatsumi in 17 minutes and five seconds. Uh, This was a match I enjoyed. Uh, I went three and three quarters. I really thought the finishing sequence was really strong. I thought Yuka really sold uh, well, she had some things where, you know, she tried the lariat and she was a little bit off balance. I thought some of that stuff was great. Obviously, big point of the match was Miyu Watanabe getting both Mizuki and Yuka Sakazaki up for the giant swing at the same time, uh, which I thought looked really great. Looked like I don't even know how she did it, uh, but three and three quarters for me. So a, a really strong, uh, good uh, semi-main, semi-main event. Yeah, I went four on this one, uh, to the Yuka was the star of the match for me. She was so good here. Like this, her selling was fantastic. And like her, clo- the closing stretch was awesome. She was laying in those shots. It was 
great. Uh, I was honestly surprised to see the champions retain here, but it, the win felt earned. Uh, it was like a hard-fought match. I I really liked it. Um, and yeah, every time Watanabe does the double swing, it's super impressive. Like it, that's a thing that no matter how many times she does it, I'm not going to not be impressed by it. Yeah, and on Cage Match, uh, this match has an 8.92 on 51 votes, so just under four and a half stars. So the consensus a little higher than me. Kelly, what was your star rating for that? Uh, I went four. Okay, so slightly higher than me, but in the same uh, in the same ballpark. Yep. And then the main event for the Princess of Princess title, Shoko Nakajima defeating the champion Miyu Mashita in 19 minutes and 6 seconds to become the newest Princess of Princess champion. Lots to talk about here. I thought the match was fairly strong. I went four stars. Um, you know, wasn't crazy. I saw some people as high as, I believe, four and three quarters. Uh, the cage match rating is 8.97, so nearly four and a half stars. Uh, I thought a solid match uh, wasn't blown away. I thought, as always, Yamashita was excellent. Uh, Nakajima, I think she's very good. She often struggles to get into that like really great arena for me, which I think is where sort of this ended up at at four, you know, three and three quarters, four stars. Um but sort of most interested by the booking, Miyu Yamashita winning the title, dominating pretty much every up-and-coming wrestler in the company to then drop it to Shoko, who has already held the title um, in the past. Obviously makes sense if Miyu's going to go to the United States and do an extended uh, stay in the States. It makes sense to take the title off of her. So that part I sort of understand, but I don't really... I still am stuck on this idea of that you have this big title reign and the change that you make is to someone who sort of already is in that top tier. Yeah, I I thought it was the most boring way possible to end her reign. Uh, uh, the commentary sold it a little bit for me where they were saying that uh, they've kind of over the years traded this belt back and forth. And I thought, so I, looking at it that way, I think it's kind of interesting. So that that saved it a tiny bit for me. Um, I thought the match itself was great. Uh, I think this is probably my favorite performance that I've ever seen from Nakajima. I thought she did really well kind of putting up a fight against Yamashita's just onslaught. And I think I went uh, four and a half on the match. I really, really enjoyed it. Divorced from the booking. The booking is whatever. It's bleh. I, I think Nakajima is probably going to be a transitional champion. Uh, in all honesty, I would love to see Tokyo Joshi bring over um, Mayukihi from DDT and have her kind of just come in and be the new champion. I think that would be really cool. But for the match itself, it was good. It was it was definitely a good cap to this show. I thought it was interesting that neither one of them really had an extravagant entrance. It was kind of just, here we are, you know, we're, we're here to wrestle. And it, I thought that was interesting. It kind of showed just how serious they were about the match. 
Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, it's an interesting decision. I think largely uh, with some of these, you know, the booking of the show, as we talked about in the beginning, 1,714 fans in Sumo Hall is not a great number. It's essentially a full Cork and Hall show, you know, with no restrictions. I think part of that could be down to the fact that, you know, I think this main event, it sort of made sense when it was booked, but I thought that this was sort of the play it safe um, sort of version of what they could have done in terms of booking a main event. You know, as we've talked about in the past, we, uh, you know, don't always see eye to eye with the company in terms of what stardom does with a lot of their booking, but I do think that they do a good job in getting some of these people up the card. And I think that you've now got a whole, a big generation of, you know, just sort of deserving wrestlers in this upper mid card who have not gotten that shot to sort of be at the top. Mizuki, Mi Watanabe, uh, Maki Ito, although she has the international princess title that it just sort of feels like at this point, it's like a shrug of the shoulders where you're like, is this ever going to happen? It just feels like they're not interested. It feels like they're like, we have the three or four people that are going to hold this title. And the title's just going to sort of move between these three people whenever we sort of need it to move. Yeah, it is. It's very odd booking. Uh... I don't know. I I really think it all depends on what happens after Nakajima. Because again, if it's just like Yuka wins, then okay, fine, whatever. I guess we're just doing this forever. But if it's someone that new comes in, then uh, then we see okay that they, they did have like a plan for this. But right now, again, it's just the most boring way possible for Yamashita's run to end. It just feels to me like no risk booking. Like, you're just like, well, this is a person who's established, so we'll move it from one person who's established to the other. And that, unfortunately, you know, you can, as the sort of shows improve in-ring-wise, you can sort of help that way. But you got to take a risk at some point. I mean, I think, to me, it's crazy that Ito has not held the title. She's the biggest star. To me, the biggest match on this card was Ito against Arai. And I think probably a lot of people would agree with Arai being, you know, the SKE 48 stuff. But the fact, I mean, Ito isn't even a risk at this point to me. No, no, not at all. If you're like, well, let's get, you know, okay, maybe, you know, Mio Watanabe would be a risk. Okay, maybe, you know, maybe Mizuki would be a risk, although I would argue she's in the top five in the company. And certainly one of the best, you know, probably in the top three in terms of in-ring. But Maki Ito is like a home run. Like, why would you not do that by this point? Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, so we will, uh, I guess we'll see moving forward. They have a Corican coming up in April. Uh, announced a number of Corkins and some more big shows throughout the rest of the year at this show. So we will have to see what happens with that. See what happens with all the AEW stuff. So still some big question marks moving forward for Tokyo Joshi. Yep. And then uh, kind of going off of that, the next show, we had a DDT judgment, which had a Saki Akai versus Maya Yukihi match on it, which uh, Taylor, did you have a chance to watch this? 
I unfortunately did not uh, get to watch it yet. Okay. Uh, it is awesome. I was really, really impressed by this match. Uh, I still have two more matches to go on Judgment, but as of now, this is my favorite match from both of the, the, the shows. I thought it was really good. Just brutal-looking strikes from Yukihi, and Saki really stood and just traded with her. Like, there is some really good uh, strike exchanges. Super hard hitting and messy at times, but in a good way. You know, kind of like the Charlotte Sasha Banks dynamic at times, where it's like, oh, this feels dangerous, but it make like it it uh, ups the match a bit. Like, I really like this. Saki Akai wins here. Um, kind of saw that coming, but again, the match was so good. Who cares? I went four and a half on it. This was definitely something that's worth checking out. In other news, the last two weeks, Stardom has had a number of big shows. The first one on March 11th, their first New Blood show, or as Dave Meltzer called it in The Observer, The Blood Show, uh, which was interesting. Uh, the results, Momokogo defeating Sayaka, Aihosan and Maria defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Unagi Sayaka and Wakasukiyama. Donna Del Mundo of May Sakurai and Mirai going to a 15-minute time limit draw with Queen's Quest team of Lady C and Saya Kamatani, the Stars team of Hanan and the returning Saya Ida defeating the Just Tap Out team of Aoi and Tomoka Inaba, Oedo Tai team of Ruaka and Starlight Kid defeating the Diana team of Haruka Umasaki and Naname, and in the main event, the debuting rookie Miyu Amasaki falls to Utami in 11 minutes and 52 seconds. I thought this show was a ton of fun. Uh, this is the sort of thing that I always really enjoy, sort of a change of pace show uh, that Stardom seems to do sort of these types of shows less and less. They got rid of, you know, the costume battle royal, things like that, that I always thought were really fun. Thought that this was a strong show highlighted by that stars versus just tap out match which I just thought was great. Uh, really my sort of pace style of match, sort of like that Starlight Kid Azumi match. I went four and a quarter on that because I thought it was really, really great. But as always, we got to talk about the fact on a New Blood show, why is there a time limit draw? <laughs> why? What? I, I think okay. I messaged you. I was like, all right, look at the card. Guess which one's a time limit draw. <laughs> May Sakurai, Mirai, Lady C, and Sayaka Matani, you're telling me you can't find out one of those four people to take the fall in a in a mid card match on this. Saya, your number oh. two champion. Saya is number two champion and cannot defeat May Sakurai or like, Mirai. And by the way, Mirai and May Sakurai cannot pin Lady C. Yeah, come on. I don't like understand. this. This one is indefensible to me. Oh yeah, and it stuck out like a sore thumb on the on this show. Like it just it didn't fit with anything else. It was just like oh, this is just a regular stardom match. All right. Uh, so yes, but highly recommend checking out that stars just tap out match, Kelly. Yeah, I really like you the... watch it as well. Yeah, I really like the first two matches on the card. I think those were my favorites. I thought Momokogo and Sayaka did really well. 
I thought Momo's selling of her leg was awesome in this match. This was, for me, the best I've seen her look so far. And I, I thought Sayaka looked really good, too. She, I, I noted she throws elbows like she's Minoru Suzuki. And I've noticed that might not just be a coincidence because she also sometimes works Suzuki's store. So I wonder if he's like helping to train her, which would be super cool if that's the case. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, and then I really also enjoyed the Maria and Ihozan uh, versus the Cosmic Angels match. I thought that was really good. Super intense. I like that a lot about this show where you have the interpromotional matches where everyone's really fired up to not lose for their company. So like those were that match was awesome. Maria looked great. She definitely like held the match together. Uh, I thought I went three and a quarter on that one. That one was really good. Worth checking out uh, in the main event. I thought Miyu Amasaki looked really good. She had a super strong debut. I think she's already ahead of a bunch of her peers at this point. 
And uh, but, you know, being in there with Utami definitely has to help. But I think she's got a ton of potential. Yeah, it's funny that uh, Unagi Sayaka match, I was I was sitting there thinking, wow, it really is amazing how much better Unagi has gotten. Oh, from yeah. When she debuted. And then, of course, right as I was thinking that, like she botched something or something <laughs> happened and I was like, well, I jinxed it. Yep. Um, but still very good. Um, yeah, I also enjoyed that match. The following day, Stardom had the big Queen's Quest versus Oedo tie five match series. Uh, one of the big sort of surprises of that show was Queen's Quest advertising an X, which turned out to be Miyu Amasaki. And the whole thing ended, the five match series ended in a 2 2 1 stalemate. Uh, with Utami and Momo, their match together ending in a 15-minute draw. So the whole show ends in a draw. Uh, Yay! So getting even bigger and bigger. Uh, and then another show on the 13th, March 13th, at Corican Hall, a title match. The artist of stardom title holders, Himika, Maika, and Natsupoi, retaining their artist title over Utami, Sai Kamatani, and Lady C., also on that show was the announcement of the Cinderella tournament matches, which we will talk about in a few minutes. You know, that artist title match, I would have bet money that that was going to be a draw. They don't often do the title like on Corkin because that was really the one sort of big match on that show they don't often do them in the main events of like title matches on big show so i'm not surprised that that one was not um and then the cosmic angels team came out afterwards to challenge uh for those titles so just sort of moving moving that along i think the artist title at this point are sort of the bottom you know except for the future uh of stardom title which is the rookie title i think the artist titles are sort of the least important titles yeah. in the company. Um, so not all that surprised that that ended in a decision. Uh, Seedling has a, had a show on March 18th. I haven't gotten the chance yet to watch that, but that had the Rico Kawahata, Rico Kaiju main event. Um, some shows. Oz had a show, Sendai Girls. Ice Ribbon had a number of shows, but the big Ice Ribbon News of the last two weeks, Sukasa Fujimoto getting married and announcing that after the May 4th Yokohama Budokan show, which is Ice Ribbon's usually one of their biggest shows of the year, that she will be taking an indefinite leave of absence. Kelly, who is going to be left on the Ice Ribbon roster? Man, I don't know. Like, this is... They're taking hit after hit after hit. I I don't know what's going to be left for this company. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what is going to happen with them. I think that Fujimoto is the booker. That's yeah. It's oh. like I was wondering, like, what kind of absence does that leave? Not just as a wrestler, but just behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, so I don't know if she's going to keep doing it and, you know, just not being involved in the shows. Uh, to me, the answer, you know, you're like, well, what do you do? I mean, I think either, you know, I think Ibuki Hoshi is probably your sort of like default. 
I mean, to me of the roster that's left, like someone who's ready to hold the infinity title and sort of, you know, I would say put it on Hoshi, bring in a bunch of freelancers to try and, you know, sort of hype up her title and, and try and make something out of some out of her because she has been good. She's had good matches in the past that I've yeah. enjoyed and you've enjoyed. So she's got the in-ring skill and you don't really have that many other options that are sort of ready at that, what I would think is at or near that level. Uh, but really just a devastating a devastating blow to Ice Ribbon who felt, you know, a, a year ago, a year and a half ago, they were really sort of building momentum. And between the prominence, people leaving, uh, Maya Yukihi going freelance, Sakushi retiring, Fujimoto taking the leave of absence, it really feels like a stalled, I mean, to me, it feels like a stalled out promotion in many ways. Yeah, I mean, you just took out their entire, the entire top of their card. Like, everyone's just gone. You'll have Sakushi for a little bit longer. You'll have Fujimoto for a little bit longer. But now, you know, it's sort of like, well, got to get ready for what that looks like past that moment. And, you know, not helped by, you know, we talk about, you know, oh, stardom has only taken a few people from, you know, Ice Ribbon, but it only sometimes takes one, you know, it's like a Jenga yeah. board. Sometimes it only takes one piece and you say, well, it's just, you know, one person. That's all it sometimes takes to sort of take down a company that, you know, these Josie companies mostly are you know, stardom is Tokyo Joshi is they're backed by big companies. Really all these other Joshi companies are not exactly on solid ground. No. I don't mean to speak poorly of them, but they're not companies. I mean, the fact that, you know, seedling has seemingly survived losing Nanae for some amount of time is good, but they're all sort of in precarious positions, which is also why I'm sort of surprised that all of them lasted throughout COVID because COVID was a big thing where I thought, well, this is going to take out some of these companies. Yeah. Because mm. it's hard for everyone. It's even the men's, some of the men's companies are having a you know tough time and you know, some of them are on firmer footing than uh, the Joshi companies, but we'll see. I'm hoping you know, I know you, Kelly, love Ice Ribbon. I love Ice Ribbon. So I'm hoping that they can, in some way, uh, bounce back from this and uh, return to form. Yeah, because, yeah, I don't want this to be the end of the promotion, especially now when they finally made themselves more accessible to foreigners. Yes, but... Not to be all bad news, they did run a number of shows in the last two weeks, including a Corican Hall show where they had two title matches, Yuki Mashiro retaining her Triangle Ribbon title over now Ishikawa and, and Seedling's Riko Kaiju. And Sakushi, even though she is retiring soon, defeated Saki to retain her Ice Infinity title on that show as well. The uh, reunion of Muscle Venus, the team of Akaro Shidu, and Tsukasa Fujimoto defeating Hamakahoshi and Makoto in the semi-main of that show. 
Diana had two shows in the past two weeks, including one on the 13th where Sakura Hirota and Yumi Oka defeated Haruka Umasaki and Miyuki Takase to win the Diana tag team titles. But wait, later that day, <laughs> March 13th at Wave, Haruka Umasaki and Miyuki Takase defeated Sakura Hirota and Yumi Oka to not only win back the Diana tag team titles, but also win the Wave tag team titles, a double <laughs> tag title match. So at the end of the day, Haruka Umasaki and Miyuki Takase end up plus one on the titles for themselves. After losing them in the afternoon, they gain them back in uh, the evening and Wave having a show on March 20th with a big Wave versus Prominence elimination match. Nagisa Nozaki, Sakura Hirota, Yuki Miyazaki, and Yumi Oka taking on Miyako Matsumoto and the Prominence team of Mochi, Miyagi, Risa, Sarah, and Suzu Suzuki. Uh, and then in Pure J, the team of Arisa Nakajima and Haniko Nakamori retaining their Pure J tag titles over Miyuki Takase and Rina Yamashita. So that is everything that has happened in the last two weeks of Joshi. And there is lots of... Coming up, the first one hasn't happened yet, but will have happened by the time we record. Stardom has a show on March 21st, highlighted by a main event of Tekla versus Ruaka for the SWA title, assuming that will be a neat and tidy defense for Tekla. And in the semi-main event, Julia and Suri facing off against Mayu Iwatani and Saya Ida in an exciting match that I'm sure We'll go to a time limit draw. I'm going to predict it doesn't because well, who pins I, who? I, I I don't know who. I think Julia gets pinned because I think it'll further the split between her and Siri. I feel like a loss here would make sense to further that story, which now that I'm saying it means they won't do it and it'll be a time limit draw. But ideally, I would book it <laughs> as Julia getting pinned by Mayu probably. Or hell, give Saya a big win. Why not? I think Saya should turn on all three of them and pin them all in the middle of the ring. <laughs> uh, no. With her new I tag partner, Togi Makabe. Oh, boy. Uh, but the two biggest shows of the next two weeks are the two nights of the Stardom World Climax at Sumo Hall. The first night is on March 26th, and... Let's run down the card here. The first night opens with Hannon taking on Rena for the future of stardom title. Kelly, do you think Hannon retains her future of stardom title here? I think so. Yeah. She's All having right. a good run. <laughs> uh, the next match, just a singles match, the returning Saida taking on Mirai. That should be a, a fun match down at the start of the card. The next match is a uh, six-person tag gauntlet match. The teams Himika, Natsupoi, and Meisakurai, Ruaka, Saki Kashima, and Fukigen Death, Mina Shirakawa, Waki Sukiyama, and Momo Kogo, and the final team, Azumi, Lady C, and X. Uh, if it's the same X as it was last time for Queen's Quest, it will be uh, Miu. 
but maybe it's someone else. I don't believe that the X has been announced quite yet. Uh, so we will have to wait and see on that one. Then a big Donna Del Mundo prominent tag team match. Micah and Tekla taking on the prominence team of Risa, Sarah, and Suzu Suzuki. That should be a good match I'm excited for. I think that could be the sleeper match of the evening. Definitely. I'm really looking forward to that one. And then we move to the, uh, I guess, the business end of the car. The goddess title are on the line as the champions Koguma and Hazuki take on the Oedo Tai super duo of Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid. This one, I think, could be a victory for Oedo Tai. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I think we've got new champs here. Uh, Momo and Starlight Kid are too powerful of a team I, at this point, I would say. They've got a lot of momentum behind them. I mean, Starlight Kid just uh, lost the high-speed title, so you can belt her up again. So I would say they probably win. And then maybe the biggest match on the card, two-thirds of Freedom, Mayu Iwatani and the returning Kyrie, not Kyrie Hojo, not Kyrie Sane, just Kyrie, taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tom Nakino and Unagi Sayaka. Kelly, I know you're excited. I'm excited Hell yeah. for the return of Kyrie. Um, this. Uh, a big match, a big sort of stage for Unagi, considering it's not a title match, but sort of a big uh, spotlight match for her. Another big spotlight match for her. Yeah, no, this should be awesome. It'll be so good to see Kyrie back. The semi-main for the Wonder of Stardom title will see the champion Sai Kamatani defending against former World of Stardom title holder Utami Kelly. Do you think Saya retains here or loses the title? I think Saya retains. Like it's it's trying to work through the logic, you know, of the having the match the next night too, because it's like I I feel like Saya retains. To me, it would be crazy if Utami wins just because it's like, why would you give Saya the belt just to lose it very yeah. quickly after? But it also seems weird to be like, oops, Utami loses the World of Stardom title and now she loses the Wonder of Stardom. Like, it, it feels like hitting all the rungs on the way down. Like, boing, I don't boing, know. Boing, it like, kind of feels like they're cycling her down because there. What, what was the match on the last episode we did? I talked about where she her team took a fall that they really shouldn't know. It was against a Wado Tai team, I think. In oh, like, that's right. Yeah. It was like the second from the, the bottom and she took her team took a loss. So it's like, I don't know. It feels like they're cycling her down. So this I, feels weird. Yeah. I think it she's feels losing. weirdly like a match where they're like, we need a big match. And they're like, well, we'll just put Utami in the match without thinking why. Yeah. Like, obviously, if Saya wins, then it's like, hey, I beat Utami. Like, I've established myself. But it's also like, ooh, weird for her. Oh, or the other option that we didn't met. Oh, time draw. on the draw. Yeah. 
I just I don't want it to happen. So when it's not directly in front of me, I I block it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, nope, it's not going to happen. Uh, but anyway, on that note, on that inspiring note, the main event of the March 26th show, big match, maybe the biggest match in stardom for the world of stardom title, Shuri versus the champion Shuri versus the challenger, the night one challenger, Julia. This one to me is up in the air. Kelly, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, yeah, this one's a toss up. I want to say, I want to say Julia wins and possibly through not honorable means and kind of kick off her end of Donna Del Mundo as the heel side. Though, but then again, then that's would interesting. Pro- well, you, you took my hot take cause I was going to say, I think Julia wins. <laughs> uh, but I wasn't thinking of through nefarious means. Obviously, as we've heard, it was the original plan for Julia to win the five-star Grand Prix before she was injured. That's right. Yeah. I wonder if they're like, great, we've given Shuri the title. She's established as this sort of title holder. Now we can sort of move her off of this and move her into a, you know, uh, Donna Del Mundo versus Donna Del Mundo feud, which will sort of keep her in the spotlight. Is it long enough? Like, will people be like, oh, sure, you barely defended your title before you lost it to Julia. But also, mm, like, what would, if Julia loses, what would happen? Because I think the way, I I, I don't know if you agree. I think the winner of this match comes out of the next night as champion. Yes, absolutely. I think either of these people are beating or doing a time limit draw with Mayu. Yeah, no, I I think for sure. Um I th- I think you could see Julia turn here because especially just with the tension that's been building and I feel like then Siri doesn't look bad come losing, you know, she just got cheated and it kind of builds <sighs> their feud more. The only thing about that is if that were what were what would happen? I feel like if it were me and I'm not clearly I'm not the person booking stardom, um like I would have then flip. I would have had Mayu say, "Well, I'm going to go first because you yeah, know I'm that's the baby face," and and have Shuri beat her. And then if you're going to do this thing where it's like she's turned, and I imagine, you know, like her team Tekla comes out, whoever else is sort of on that side comes out, and you end night two of the these two big shows of like Julia has turned in the ring, like standing, you know standing on top of Shuri being like, this is my company and I'm the champion. And like, that feels like a night two event. Yeah. And also like heal Julia. Then what happens with the prominence feud or the prominence, the faces at that point. Oh, that is true. Yeah. That's uh, another part of it. Yeah. And that's another part that goes with just, if there's a Don Del Mundo split, what happens with the prominence feud at that point? Like they're running two stories at the same time, which makes me think that the prominence split isn't going to happen as soon as we think it might. And I'm trying to look at the next night because, well, let's talk about the next night and then maybe that will inform our ideas. Yeah. 
So the very next night, March 27th, Stardom World Climax Day 2 at Sumo Hall. The first match will be another Future of Stardom title match. It will be the winner of Hanan versus Rina versus May Sakurai. Uh, I think whoever wins on night one comes out of night two as champion. Yeah, probably. Unless my Sakurai, let's say you you do do the the split and my Sakurai is on the evil side and you want to kind of help belt up that side. I guess if it was a Hanan win, then you could have her lose the title on day two. I guess that's possible. I just don't really understand May Sakurai at this point. No, I don't either. Um, like, like what is she? She doesn't feel a part of Donna Del Mundo to me. Like she feels no. like a person who's like latched on yeah. to something else entirely happening. She is there entirely because they need more bodies for the eventual split. Cause like, I, like I said, her joining is what tipped it off for sure because they didn't change her name. Like we know that's why it's happening. Well, that's not that's not why, but it's a, a part of it where they're gonna that's coming. The next match is the return of the Cinderella Rumble. Announced so far: Unagi Saika, Mina Shirakawa, Lady C, Miyu Amasaki, Saki Kashima, Ruaka, Saeeda, Momokogo, Waka, Sukiyama, Tomoko Anabe, Aoi, Haruka Umasaki, Naname, Maria, Aihosan, Mesuruga, Yuna. Mizumori and several others, according to the Stardom website. That's the language they use. So um, not much to talk about there. A good mix of talent. Uh, a lot of people who were on the New Blood show and should be fun as yeah. long as they don't have uh, what's his face again. Um, who was on the? Why can't I think of his name now? Yeah, everyone knows who I'm talking. Everyone yeah. knows who I'm talking about. And uh, uh, we all know Mesa Ruga should obviously win. Mesa Ruga's uh, first time in uh, Sumo Hall. First time yep. wrestling in Sumo Hall. Yeah. Uh, the next match, the loser of the Wonder of Stardom title match from night one, so Saya or Utami, will take on Mirai. So two fun, good sort of low stakes matches for Mirai to show her skill here. So th that should be a good match as well. Yeah, I feel like Utami is a better matchup for her. So I, that's my guess. I Because I, th I do think Saya wins for the first night now, even more so. And then Utami can kind of get some of her heat back with the victory here. See, the second night is helping us figure out the first night yep. as we go through. It's like the a crossword next... puzzle. You can't get one part, yeah. so you go do the... Uh, <laughs> can't get the across, so you do the up and down. The next match, Hazuki versus Momo Watanabe. Uh, yeah, should be a good match. Yeah. Um, I would, well, I'm like, well, if Momo and Starlight Kid win the titles, do you think Hazuki wins the singles match? Uh, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or like, do Hazuki and Koguma retain and then Momo can win a singles match the following night? Could be. Maybe. We'll see, but should be a good match either way. The next match, a high-speed title match, Azumi versus Koguma versus Natsupoi. Uh, stardom emptying the ranks of everyone except for Starlight Kid that is in the high-speed division. 
And uh, uh, Fukigen Death. Oh, that's right. Not using Fukigen Death, of course. The <laughs> most important member of the high-speed division. Yes. Uh, I'm assuming Azumi retains the title here. I don't see any reason for her to lose it this fast. Yeah. The next match, the returning Kyrie in a singles match taking on Starlight Kid. This might be the match I am most excited for on either night. Yeah, if Kyrie doesn't have ring rust, this has a real shot as a match of the year contender. This is one of those, as I talked about, I you know, that stardom style that I love. This is the match I think could deliver it most. Kyrie is amazing. Starlight Kid just showed against Azumi how good she is. So this could be very, very, very good. So yeah, really, I'm looking forward to that. Super excited for that. The next match, the last non-title match on the show, it will be the loser of Julia and Shiri teaming with Micah, Himika, and Tekla to take on the prominence team of Risa Sara, Suzu Suzuki, Akane Fujita, and Mochi Miyagi. Okay, so the split doesn't happen. Julia loses to be in this match. Because I feel like the match just doesn't mean as much if Julia's not in it. Yeah, it also is one of those things where I'm like, Micah, Himika, and Tekla seems like a Julia team-up and not a Shuri team-up. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just... That could be just purely reading too much into it. Uh but I don't know. I'm just like, do they bring Julia back, put her in a title match just to have her lose that quickly? I mean, I guess she has the prominence stuff. So you're like, okay, it's prominence. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> do we think prominence wins either way? I mean, I think prominence has to win at least one of these matches. Yeah, I think prominence needs to win here. I think they would because mm. the first one is Micah and Tekla versus I think they hmm. I think they win both. I think that they lose. Because mm. I. These things, I'm like, I am booking myself into a shoot here, and I know that this is not <laughs> what's going to happen. But my thought would be, you have Micah and Tekla win on night one. Then, on night two, Julia wins the, wins a title on night one. So it's Shuri, Micah, Himika, and Tekla. You have prominence win... And you have Micah and Tekla go, what the heck? We beat these people last night. Okay, all right. And the difference in the team is that you're here. And that's part of the split. But I think I'm outthinking myself on that. Yeah, I think you probably are. But if that's the way they go, I like it. Like, I think that's an interesting story, but it also feels like a story that Stardom wouldn't do. Yeah. Uh, so, but it would, but I think, yes, I think prominence has to win at least one of these. 
are they going to win? I don't know if they're going to win both. It just feels like something that Stardom would not do. Nah. Stardom can't even have their own people beat their own people. Yeah, that's true. Much less these outsiders who are not, as far as I'm aware, in any way signed with the company beating, you know, this team twice in a row. So anyway, another one where, where, you know, we're previewing, giving guests. We're like, well, I guess we'll see. Uh, (laughs) Strong preview. Uh, But the semi-main event for the the second Wonder of Stardom title match will be either Saya or Utami going up against former champion Tom Nakino. I think the winner of night one wins this. Yeah, I think so. Another one that I'm like, why? Another one where I'm like, why is Tom challenging for the wonder of stardom title except for the fact that you need a big match yeah and because know, it just feels too soon but saya wanted the match for some reason i guess <sighs> yeah i mean i'm saying sort of out of store i'm talking about like booking no no, no i know With, booking wise yeah like yeah, I, I would know. i don't know i don't know who i would have but anyway and then the main event will be the winner of Julia and Shiri facing off against Mayu Iwatani. As I said, I think the winner of night one wins this as well. Yeah, I would say so. So that is the two nights of the Stardom World Climax, but it's not over for Stardom. As on April 3rd, they will be having round one of the Cinderella tournament, a ton of matches uh, on April 3rd. So we are going to run through them. Uh, Kelly, I'm just going to give you the match and you tell me who you think is going to win. All right. Ready? Yes. Himika versus Ruaka. Himika. Okay. And then Himika versus Shuri, who gets a first round bye. Siri. Okay. Hazuki versus Miyu Amasaki. Hazuki. Okay. And I'll pipe in when I disagree, but I haven't disagreed with anyone. <laughs> Azumi versus Momo Watanabe. Draw. You're reading my mind. You're, <laughs> I should say you're reading my notes that I sent you very well. <laughs> Tekla versus Julia. Julia. Okay, interesting. I also want to say now looking at this, I think Julia does not win the title. No? Okay. It just feels weird to me to be like, Shuri and Saya, they've already said, like, even if they lose the title, they still get the bye. But it would be weird to be like, hey, Julia is the title holder. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. Maybe I'm fooling myself. Uh, the next match, Koguma versus Fukigen Death. Uh, Koguma. Well, I'm gonna. Well, you can go, go Koguma. I'll go Fukigen Death. Yeah, no, I'll go Koguma. But yeah, that's one where Fukigen Death can win any match at any time in a tournament like this. Besides, like the semifinals and above. <laughs> I think we need some chaos. Yeah. So I'll go for Fukigen Death. Uh, Saya versus Rina. Saya. Lady C versus my Sakurai. Uh, Lady C. Okay, I'm going to go my Sakurai. Yeah, that one's more me hoping than anything. 
Utami versus Tom Nakino. Oh. I'm gonna... Uh, Tom. Okay, I'm gonna do an interesting thing here because I'm looking at the bracket. Oh, draw. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't gonna say draw. I'm, I'm helped a little bit by looking at the bracket. I'm gonna do... I'm gonna say Utami is going to win because Utami is taking on the winner of Mina Shirakawa and Mirai. Okay. Which uh, uh, your prediction? Um, Mina. I think Mirai. I think Mirai loses to Utami on night two of Sumo Hall. I think Mirai beats Mina and then beats Utami. Okay. In some way, because they still have the over-the-top rope rule. Yeah. Or, on the other hand, Tom beats Utami, Mina beats Mirai, and then Mina gets a victory over Tom, kind of going back to their feud. Oh, interesting. That's a good mm, That's a good point. Uh, Wakasukiyama taking on Saki Kashima. Saki. Uh, Mayu Iwatani and Momo Kogo. Mayu. Unagi Sayaka taking on Hina. Unagi. <laughs> Natsupoi and Starlight Kid. Oh. Do they run it back and do a draw again? I think Natsupoi is going to win. The, the other thing to me is with the time limit draws is I can see where you're coming from, but they are doing like 55 matches on one show. Yeah. And so just time-wise. What's the I time think, limit for these matches? Is it 10 minutes? I think it, oh, I don't even remember, but it is very short. But even if you, so you, you're going to have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. You're going to have 16 matches. Yeah. Even if every match goes five minutes, that is... It's a long night. 16 matches. I mean, that's not that long. That's 80 minutes. Uh, I think you're guaranteed a three-hour show no matter what. I think it'll be higher than... I think it'll be longer than that, but I think you're guaranteed a three-hour show. Because if every match went 10 minutes... And and that's not considering entrances, yeah, uh, intro, promos. Blah, I feel blah, like blah. it's safe to say the average will be about, including intros and promos, will be about ten minutes per match on average. Because that's over. That's almost three hours. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I think they stay away from time limit draws in this round because you just probably don't have the time true and you do have the over the top rope rule yes that as well so i think natsupoi goes on okay i'll go starlight kid micah and hanan micah and then finally you're choosing micah micah against saya kamatani micah set up a title match sure i'll go with that so predicting one round, we'll see how right we are or wrong we are. And then we will uh, talk about the next round next, uh, next time 
we join. So that is the Cinderella tournament, as I said, on the on April 3rd, 16 matches, so a long show. Uh, other promotions have shows coming up as well. Seedling has a show on March 31st. They haven't announced anything. Oz has two shows coming up, including on April 3rd as well, a big Corican Hall show, My Yukihi versus Akino for the Oz title in the main event, Hiroya Matsumoto and Rina Yamashita taking on Mayumi Osaki and Sayori Ono for the tag titles. They are debuting a brand new three-way championship that I believe will be like the triangle ribbon. Uh, the first match, Kaori Yoniyama, Yumi Oka, and a wrestler I believe is called Mass Dolphin, if my translate <laughs> is to be believed. The picture on the website is sort of a mysterious picture, so we will see what the heck that is. And as I mentioned earlier, Aja Kong returning in the opening match, her first match back after she took some time off and had surgery. So glad to see her back. Tokyo Joshi will be having some shows on March 26th, which I believe that March 26th show is the Nadoka Tenma retirement show. And on April 2nd, Ice Ribbon has a number of shows coming up. On March 27th, Sakushi versus Todoro Satsuki for the Ice Infinity title. And in the tag titles, the Hoshis, Hamako Hoshi and Ibuki Hoshi taking on Saki and Akari Shimizu. And then on the third is the Sakushi retirement show. The match announced for that show is Sakushi versus Makoto. And then Wave has a show on April 1st. Two title matches, the new DualShock Wave title holders, Haruka Umasaki and Miyuki Takase, will take on Yuki Miyazaki and Hibiscus Mi. And in the main event, the Regina de Wave title will be on the line as Nagisa Nozaki takes on Saki. So that is everything coming up. Next time we come to you, we'll be talking all about those big stardom sumo hall shows so looking forward to that but that is everything kelly do you have a, have anything to say before we go or possibly a movie you want to I, tell us about i do but first i want to talk about ice ribbon for a sec i wonder i know sakushi said she wants to retire as champion and that's a cool thing but do you have makoto beat her and then kind of makoto become part of the new upper card of ice ribbon Uh, you could do that, although it may, you know, they could also have her retire as champion, just vacate the title and then have a tournament. And then you have a couple shows sort of pre-built where you can have this title tournament, you know, to fill out some of your cards. That's true. But at the same time, I wonder if you run a tournament like that now, it kind of shows how dire the scene is in your company at the moment, you know? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. Like, if people are watching the shows, I think they're realizing, oh, people are leaving. Yeah, that's true. Like, I think you could bring in a number of, you know, you could bring in, uh, you know, seedling people. You could bring in, you know, because they used Rico Kaiju. You could bring in Saki, could come in, you know, the colors yeah. group. You know, I don't know. Maybe you do bring in 
some of the freelancers that, you know, Maya, even if she doesn't win or something like that. So you have options, but it will be interesting to, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And uh, let's see, I did, I did see a movie yesterday. I went to the theater to saw the, to see the Jujutsu Kaisen uh, anime movie. And that was very good. Nice little uh, prequel story to the series. Definitely worth checking out if you like that show. But by the time you hear this, I don't know if it's still in theaters because it was one of those limited engagement gimmicks. Wow. Uh, I don't know what that is, but if you do, show. Uh, check it out. And I got a, a cup with Jared Leto's face on it to promote Morbius, which is a movie that I still don't believe actually exists. Well, that is everything for us here at Jumping Bomb Audio. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in two weeks. So for Kelly, I'm Taylor. See you next time.